Hey everyone, it's our favorite time of the year here at The Black Effect. We're heading to Atlanta for the 2024 Black Effect Podcast Festival, and we're not going alone. Nissan is back as our partner, and they're continuing their Pitch Your Podcast Lounge at the festival, where you'll have the opportunity to pitch your podcast idea live and share it with the Black Effect team. So get those podcast ideas ready. And remember, you can count on Nissan to dial up the thrill in your adventures, no matter where life takes you. Visit blackeffect.com forward slash podcast festival for more details. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. I'm Erica Alexander. And I'm Whitney Dow. Welcome to Reparations, The Big Payback, a production of Color Farm Media, iHeartRadio, and the Black Effect Podcast Network. Hey, Whitney. We're halfway through this journey now. How are you feeling about it, man? Well, it's been quite a ride, you know. I did not expect to find myself here, you know, and it's also been an education. You know, as you know, I came into this thing, I believe in reparations, I believe in the necessity of reparations, and I also knew it was a really complicated subject as well. How do you go about it? Who gets them? And actually, what does it mean when American society decides to do something like this? Yeah, and what if we don't, you know? Right, because it's not just a financial issue, it's a moral issue. And it's also a practical issue. How do you do this? I think of something Toni Morrison said to Charlie Rose, that growing up, she always felt superior, morally superior to white people. Part of that is about the debt owed, the unpaid debt, white America or America, in quotes, owes. And are those the same thing? Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, wait, but until that debt is paid, as Seeley says in The Color Purple... Until you do right by me. And you're going to be amazed I can finish this. Everything you think about is going to crumble. Or maybe everything you believe about yourself is going to crumble. Now, this is a serious warning to America. Let's call it America for now. The debtor or the indebted entity. Well, now that we bring it up, I've always felt that sense of superiority. Really? Yeah, I did. Sure enough. Growing up, I certainly didn't need to oppress somebody to feel a sense of self-worth. Well, you know, growing up as sort of a, quote, normal white guy in Cambridge, Massachusetts, you know, we talked a lot about that in my house. I grew up in a very liberal house, this idea of discrimination against black people. I grew up in the 70s during the busing era, so it was like really apparent all around us. But there wasn't a sense that we were oppressing anybody. Yeah, which is freaky. Because especially when you're up in Massachusetts, you know, that's all they did. That's That was their hobby. But you know, <laughs> that's the thing you hear from white people time after time. I didn't have any slaves. 
Why are you looking at me? Yeah, but in terms of awareness of white privilege, and that language of white privilege wasn't even around then. I think that it was something that was sort of like way out there. I think that the people that I knew and the people that believed they were doing good saw themselves as acting against a structure. They didn't actually see themselves as part of the structure. Yes, but they were already complicit in a moral crime. And I think that that's one of the things about this debate on reparations, talking about complicity in a way white people have not heard before, in a way they can hear it. And Black people, too. You know, there should be a book, How to Talk to Your White Friends, when you're talking about their moral complicity in an ongoing monstrous crime for dummies. <laughs> Is this something we're going to write together, Erica? Every day we write the book, Whitney. Every day. And I think some days the book seems to write itself. I think, what do they say? History repeats itself the first time as a tragedy, the second time as what? A prize fight? <gasps> prize fight. Mmm. Tonight, our main event, the heavyweight bout we've all been waiting for, the epic battle between the case for reparations and the case against reparations. I'm your host, Erica Alexander, here in historic Madison Square Garden to bring you all the thrilling round-by-round action in this colossal matchup. Joining me at ringside is color man, Whitney Dow. Whitney I think it's fair to say we're about to witness history. That's right, Erica, and what a thrill to be here to see it tonight. Fair is the name of the game, and history is in the ring tonight. You can say that again. History is in the ring tonight. (laughs) Okay. All right. Don't say it again. The stakes in this fight couldn't be higher. Black people in America stand to gain a kind of reckoning, both moral and financial, for the crime of slavery and the deprivations that follow. Is it an idea whose time has come? Well, it's certainly been gaining traction lately. The question is, would black America's gain be white America's loss? No one likes to face up to ugly truths, and no one likes to give up money. Let's talk about tonight's contenders. The reigning champ is the case against reparations. Coming to the ring, weighing in at over 400 years, the case against reparations says, what more do you people want? Slavery and all that bad stuff was a long time ago. Enough is enough. That was then, this is now. Get over it, get on with it. Fair is fair. Sort of a series of one-two punches. Exactly, sorry, I got a little carried away. And tonight's challenger. Our challenger tonight is the case for reparations. Coming to the ring. Also weighing in at over 400 years, the case for reparations says, are you kidding? The forced, unpaid labor of millions of black people built this country and its wealth under slavery, which Lincoln said, if slavery is not wrong, nothing is wrong. So slavery and Jim Crow and their cruel consequences are moral crimes against a group of people that need to be redressed. But there's also the practical. The economic issue of helping to level the playing field for slavery's still disenfranchised modern-day legatees. I'm sorry, I thought you just said legatees. I said legatees. Heirs, descendants, inheritors, in a sense, were all inheritors. You've been doing your homework, color man. Well, when you're a white color man, you gotta try harder. That's the bell for round one. Leading off the case for reparations will be the Evanston, Illinois alderwoman who made history when she passed the first local reparations bill. She's fast. You won't see her coming, but she gets the job done. Give it up for Robin Rue Simmons! 
Reparations are due because it's an unsettled debt in this nation. We have over 400 years of various forms of enslavery, and we know that chattel enslavement has been outlawed, but this nation was built on kidnapping Africans, torturing them, enslaving us, and later transitioning it into lynching and Jim Crowing, and then, you know, redlining and over policing and racial terror and predatory lending practices and micro and macro aggressions and all forms of oppression and crimes against our humanity as a black nation. And we have not been able to overcome. We have not been able to enjoy the same livability as our white friends and neighbors in this nation. We have not met the standard of the values that we say of liberty and justice for all in this nation for black folks. We still are excluded from the American dream and the liberties that we have earned and are worthy of. So reparations are in order because it is the only way to right the wrong of this nation that continues today. Reparations are in order, they're overdue because it is the only legislative process or tool to respond in a way of redress and repair for damages and egregious actions and crimes against the humanity of black people. Reparations are in order because of the wealth gap, the achievement gap, over policing. Just look at 2020. Look at the public lynching of George Floyd. Look at the outcomes and the impact of the COVID pandemic and the disparate conditions of the black community and how it impacted our health with underlying health conditions and how it financially further crippled us. And we have not yet overcome from the financial crisis of 2008 and reparations are overdue. But more tangibly, because a moral argument hasn't been enough, it will lift up all of America, increase the tax base, it'll increase home ownership rates, that will make safer neighborhoods, it will provide more college degrees, which would create more high paying career paths and more black businesses would be launched and more black folks would be employed because we hire black people. It would begin to heal this nation in a way that we have not addressed. A moral document in this nation is our budget. And until we put funding behind our actions and an action plan that is viable and forward moving, we will not get to the healing that we say we all want to experience here in this nation. In 2019, our city, after an extensive community process, passed the nation's first reparation that's funded by adult use cannabis sales tax. We said yes to reparations are in order. We said yes to putting action and funding behind our commitment to Black Lives Matter and the things that we value. We took a huge jump beyond apology and ceremony into action towards repair. And so what happened is we said yes to giving a $25,000 direct benefit to qualify Black residents in Evanston or their direct descendants because of our city's practice of enforcing anti-Black housing policies that stripped away wealth. It's important for our city because now we have proven that we have the will and the heart to advance something for the Black community. Specifically, we have proven that we are committed to reparatory justice and we can now continue to do more programming. We can expand that fund. We could look at other areas within our purview of damages to the Black community. And now we can hold our institutional partners that were accomplices to our conditions in the Black community accountable to their role. That's including universities, 
corporations, family foundations, other government agencies like the state, and of course, HR 40. So it was significant for Evanston because it's our road to repair. We're on our way. But I believe that it was a significant action for this nation because it shows what is possible through a legislative process when the leaders and the community have the heart and the will to advance something tangible and measurable, it shows what is possible. And I believe that all other cities are feeling an accountability to their Black communities to do something similar and appropriate for their cities. One thing that I have learned about this reparation movement and that I remain in awe of is the foundation of the movement. And I'll start with Encobra. They were able to work with John Conyers to advance reparations. 32 years ago, they were fighting the fight that we fight today. They are responsible for the progress that we have today. They made Evanston's victory possible. They are making HR 40's momentum victory possible because they've got us to this point in 2021 where we're advancing and passing a local initiative and where we're very close to advancing HR 40 through legislative process. Yo, I'm hype. The Black Effect is live. This April 27th, the 2024 Black Effect Podcast Festival is headed down to Atlanta's very own Pullman Yards. Last year was incredible, and this year will be even more thrilling, especially with Nissan coming back along for the ride. Nissan is returning with some empowering activations to support black excellence in the STEAM fields. Have a podcast idea you've been eager to share with the culture? Well, Nissan is back with the Pitch Your Podcast Lounge. You'll have the chance to record your podcast idea and share it with the Black Effect Podcast Network team. But that's not all. Nissan is taking the stage to spotlight some of the HBCU scholars from their own Thrill of Possibility Summit. Nissan's action-packed weekend of community building, mentorship, and professional development for HBCU scholars pursuing professions in STEAM. The Black Effect Podcast Festival is the event to be at. You will not want to miss this because no matter where life takes you, Nissan will dial up the thrill in your adventures. Visit blackeffect.com slash podcast festival for more details. Mother's Day is coming and mom doesn't want flowers. She wants a cocktail. Here's a hint. Get mom Bartesian. It's the countertop cocktail maker that creates your choice of over 60 premium cocktails in less than 30 seconds, each at the touch of a button. Flowers die. Happy hour comes back every day. So get mom the machine that makes amazing cocktails with real fruit juices and craft bitters. Best of all, get $50 off a Bartesian premium cocktail maker with the purchase of one pack of cocktail capsules. So instead of getting mom a reason to fill a flower vase with water, get mom the easiest, fastest way to fill her glass with the floral notes of gin. The best cocktails are premium cocktails and the best day to get it for mom is Mother's Day because you can get $50 off now for a limited time. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother to get the best premium cocktail maker for mom at the best price for you. Artesian, premium cocktails on demand. Moments like my daughter telling me a new joke mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, or MBC, which is breast cancer that is spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrance, Palpocyclib. Ibrance 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR positive HER2 negative NBC as the first hormonal based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrance and visit Ibrance.com. Ibrance may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrance may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. 
Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrance, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. Stepping into the squared circle, here to represent the case against reparations is a nationally known conservative talk show host, and he's a veteran puncher and counterpuncher, Larry Elder. Black people have overcome to the point now where only 20% of black people are below the federally defined level of poverty. Still too high, but in 1940, that number was 87%. And 20 years later, that number had been reduced to 47%, a 40-point drop in 20 years. That is the greatest 20-year period of economic expansion for the history of black Americans. And notably, that came before the Brown versus Board of Education decision. That came before the civil rights bills of 1964, 1965. Despite all of this racism, all of this prejudice, black people still overcame. In 1964, Martin Luther King gave an interview to the BBC, and he said he was surprised at the changes that have taken place in America in recent years. And he believed that a black person could become president in 40 years time, or maybe even less. That's roughly around the time when Obama became president. And Martin Luther King did not say, we will know when we've arrived at the promised land, when there's a black coach of Notre Dame, which has happened, when there is a black female who's the president of an Ivy League university, which has happened, when blacks are mayors of all the major cities in America, which has happened, when blacks are police chiefs of the major cities in America, when there are superintendents of schools of America or mayors of America, sometimes all three at the same time, he did not say that. He did not say when black people become millionaires and billionaires, which has happened. He said when a black person becomes president, that's when we'll know we've reached a point where people are being evaluated based on the content of their character to the extent that it is reasonable to expect. And the idea that slavery built America is belied by the fact that at one time, Virginia was the most populous and wealthiest state in the Union. But within a couple of generations, it had fallen behind states in the North because the South depended upon slavery, which impoverished the South relative to the North, which is primarily why the North won the election. No one could have had, or very few people could have had a life harder than my father. My father was 13 years old, born in 1915. He was kicked out of his house by his mother. Athens, Georgia, Jim Crow at the beginning of the Great Depression. The man walked down the street, did whatever he could. Ultimately, he became a Pullman porter on the trains, which was the largest private employer of blacks in those days. Traveled all the world, became a Marine, was the, one of the first black Marines, a, a uh, Montford Port Marine. And my dad always told my brothers and me the following, hard work wins. You get out of life what you put into it. You cannot control the outcome but you are 100% in control of the effort. And before you complain about what other people did to you, go to the nearest mirror and say to yourself, what could I have done to change the outcome? And my dad always told us this, no matter how hard you work, no matter how good you are, sooner or later, bad things will happen to you. How you respond to those bad things will tell your mother and me if we raised a man. And my father always said this about the Democrat Party. They want to give you something for nothing. And when you're trying to get something for nothing, you almost always end up getting nothing for something. To them, I would say, I'll take your share, pass it along. It's been mentioned a couple of times that America has yet to atone for slavery. 
Well, remember that Lyndon Johnson launched the so-called war on poverty in 1965. He specifically talked about the need to redress past grievances for blacks. Since then, we've spent over $22 trillion in uh, payments to fight the so-called war on poverty. The war on poverty and various government programming that was for a economically disadvantaged community did not target the repair needed in the black community. And we have seen a overwhelming participation from the non-black community, the white community, accessing those resources. It's about personal responsibility. There are think tanks on the left, like the Brookings Institution, the think tanks on the right, like the American Enterprise Institute. And they agree that the way to escape poverty is to do a handful of things. Number one, finish high school. Number two, don't have a kid until you get married. Number three, get a job, keep a job, and don't quit that job until you get another job. And number four, avoid the criminal justice system. And they don't say that this formula only applies to you if you're white. They say that the formula applies to anybody. We are going to have reparations. It needs to be specific and targeted to the black community in response to the egregious conditions in which we have singularly been exposed to in this nation. As intentional and as radical and as robust as Jim Crowing and all other forms of discrimination and black oppression that we have experienced in this nation. Wow, that was a tough first round, Whitney. I'd say both sides came out swinging, Erica, and both sides landed some very solid blows. Now, the case against has the weight of habit and custom on its side. Down south, they call it tradition. And it's always been this way, so why shouldn't it stay this way? Right, but the case for reparations is scrappy, and they have to be, to sort of jujitsu their way around that weight and try for a knockout. Ah, they don't call it the sweet science for nothing, but neither side here is pulling any punches. I'd make that round just about even on points, wouldn't you, Whitney? I'd say so. This is shaping up to be a hell of a fight. Who's ahead in the count? Are these punches landing? Which side looks like a winner? To find out, we asked the man in the street. Which man? It's figure speech. Could be the woman in the street. Oh, got it. But why are they in the street? Oh, just listen. Uh, reparations. I'm not sure on that issue, E. I'm, like, conflicted right now. You know what I mean? If it's going back to the communities to help, like, education, more community centers, I'm for it. You know what I mean? But it got to show. You know what I mean? Don't just say it. Show it. They've been old us. I mean, we work hard. We living in poverty, you know what I mean? Just for me, for instance, I live in the projects. They took advantage of us, yeah. To this day, it's still going on. What you call it right now is just organized slavery. You know what I mean? You don't see it, but it's there. It's gotta be some changes. That's why I say I'm conflicted. Because you got some that's out there that really help you out, that's willing to help you out, but it's hard to tell the good from the bad nowadays. I'm definitely for reparations. I believe that reparations will allow African-American people to level up to what we've missed over the years. Kind of get on a, a level playing field with everybody else and keep pushing from there. So I definitely am for it and made the best man win. <laughs> pretty sure I'm in favor of it because if you go back far enough while my ancestors I'm able to actually trace back my timeline as a white person in America and I can see financially where I was able to come from while uh, other people who were taken from different countries and continents they don't have that ability their financial liberty was stripped from them before they even got to this country so 
I feel it's only right. The fact that they had to work, was it 12 generations that we forced slaves to work in this country before the Emancipation Proclamation went through? That's 12 generations of lost financial income right there. And while that's 12 generations of financial income, other people have been able to get. So I think it's about time we're able to catch back up. What was it, the donkey and, a, and like a percentage of land that Abraham Lincoln promised? I would like my 40 acres and a mule. <laughs> which is more than what's offered now. 40 acres is pretty good money. <laughs> I'm for reparations because black people in this country had an unfair start. And there were systems in place that did not allow black people in America to live free. And so if those systems which continue to exist and perpetuate violence against black people and black bodies in this country, action has to be taken and it's on us. It's on our government to support the people who built this country. Money is power. If we don't have access to money, then we don't have access to move forward. So reparations is a start to have us have the power so we can move forward to do something that we want to do with the money. But no amount of money will make up for the deliberate harmful practices that our family and our ancestors have had to endure. Hey, everybody, this is Carrie Champion, and I'm here to announce that the 2024 Black Effect Podcast Festival is headed to Atlanta's very own Pullman Yards on April 27th. Last year was incredible, and this year will be even more thrilling, especially with Nissan coming back along for the ride. Nissan is returning with some empowering activations to support Black excellence in the STEAM fields. Have a podcast idea you've been eager to share with the culture? Well, Nissan is back with your Pitch Your Podcast Lounge. You'll have the chance to record your podcast idea and have it shared with the Black Effect Podcast Network team. But that's not all. Nissan is taking the stage to spotlight some of the HBCU scholars from their own Thrill of Possibility Summit. Nissan's action-packed weekend of community building, mentorship, and professional development for HBCU scholars pursuing professions in STEAM. The Black Effect Podcast Festival is the event you want to be at. You don't want to miss it because no matter where life takes you, Nissan will dial up the thrill in your adventures. Visit blackeffect.com slash podcast festival for more details. Mom met a lot of your demands over the years. This Mother's Day, get her the Bartesian cocktail maker that makes premium cocktails on demand. In just 30 seconds, have your choice of over 60 premium or seasonal cocktails, all at the touch of a button. Get $50 off on the Bartesian cocktail maker now when you buy one pack of cocktail capsules. So, for all the times you made a mess, get mom the countertop cocktail system that makes premium cocktails without making any mess at all. For all the times you begged for soda, get her premium cocktail capsules made with real fruit juice and craft bitters. For all the times you demanded tacos for dinner, get her the Bartesian that mixes margaritas in just 30 seconds. Make mom's Mother's Day and all the 364 days that aren't Mother's Day with a Bartesian cocktail maker at $50 off. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother now to get $50 off the Bartesian premium cocktail maker. Bartesian, premium cocktails on demand. Moments like seeing my son's team cheer him on mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer or MBC, which is breast cancer that is spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrance, Palbociclib. Ibrance 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR positive HER2 negative NBC as the first hormonal based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrance and visit Ibrance.com. 
Ibrance may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrance may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrance, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. This crowd came to see a fight, and they're getting a fight. There's the bell for round two. Who do we have? Carrying on the case for reparations and coming to the center of the ring. You know her. You love her. Now serving her 14th term as a Democrat in Congress, representing the great city of Houston, Texas, including Beyonce Knowles Carter and a proud champion of H.R. 40, the reparations bill. Here is U.S. Representative Sheila Jackson Lee. H.R. 40 is, in fact, the response of the United States of America long overdue. Slavery is the original sin. Slavery has never received an apology. The number of Africans who died in the Middle Passage, over 2 million. Number of enslaved who died during slavery, first, second, and third generation, over 2.5 million. Who has a history like that? Reparations should be welcomed by all Americans. For we are not asking one American to give one payment. What we're saying is it's the only way that slavery ended was a governmental action of the 13th Amendment, governmental action. Reconstruction failed after 12 years because it was imploded by governmental people. And after Reconstruction, a reign of terror that had never been seen, the hanging fruit, the lynching, the oppression of voting, the tearing away of land, and the amazing concept of the continuing de jure and de facto impact of slavery today. One million African Americans are incarcerated. That is a continuing impact. 31% of black children live in poverty compared to 11% of white children. The natural average is 18%, which suggests the percentage of black children living in poverty is more than 150%. Even in spite of the glorious overcoming of the talent that is part of our community, the scrapping together of making sure our children received education, the putting together something out of nothing, we still have been impacted. Black people in America are the descendants of Africans kidnapped and transported to the United States with the explicit complicity of the U.S. government and every arm of the United States lawmaking and law enforcement infrastructure. The dehumanizing and atrocities of slavery were not isolated occurrences but mandated by federal laws that were codified and enshrined in the Constitution. The role of the federal government in supporting the institution of slavery and subsequent discrimination erected against blacks is an injustice that must be formally acknowledged and addressed. I just simply ask, why not? And why not now? If not all of us, then who? God bless us as we pursue the final justice for those who lived in slavery for 250 years in the United States of America. Please support H.R. 40. Well, she certainly got her shots in. Now, all greased and gloved and ready to rumble is another U.S. representative, a Republican, repping Louisiana's proud 4th Congressional District. 
He's a lawyer and a former radio talk show host, so you know he can bring it. Making the case against reparations, here's Congressman Mike Johnson. Just consider this, okay? There are tens of millions of today's non-African Americans who are descended from people who arrived in the country, of course, after slavery ended. And therefore, they can't be held responsible for its legacy. Indeed, only a small percentage of the total American population were slave owners. For the aforementioned reasons and many others, such an approach has been widely unpopular, at least in our recent history. In the 1970s, civil rights organizations openly rejected the idea of reparations, which the NAACP's assistant director himself called, quote, an illogical, diversionary, and paltry way out for guilt-ridden whites, unquote. See, the legal question is, the federal government can't constitutionally provide compensation today to a specific racial group because other members of that group, maybe several generations ago, were discriminated against and treated inhumanely. According to the U.S. Supreme Court, they would refer to that as an unconstitutional racial preference. And the federal government is not allowed to provide race-based remedies that are, quote, ageless in their reach into the past and timeless in their ability to affect the future, unquote. Now, listen, I get it. I've read the scholarship. I know that some proponents of this legislation believe that the very discussion of reparations itself would be cathartic for our nation. But we have to ask if discussions can result in justice today. They certainly probably won't provide consensus. Instead, many people of good conscience believe they'll distract from the many persistent causes of current racial disparities. They certainly exist. The despicable racism of America's past is part of that, but so are other social and cultural dynamics which are themselves often negatively influenced by well-intended government policies. When you are behind in a foot race, the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. said in 1963, the only way to get ahead is to run faster than the man in front of you. So Dr. King's words reflect an important tradition of self-reliance that has had eloquent advocates in the African-American community. Frederick Douglass, Booker T. Washington, W.E.B. Du Bois, and many others. All of them were saying in their different ways that African-Americans were not powerless to better their lives until America owned up to its historical sins and offered them a generous financial settlement. The point is as important today as ever. Those great leaders encourage people to take control of and responsibility for their own lives because that gives every human being a greater sense of meaning, purpose, and satisfaction. The premise of HR 40 and similar legislation, however well-intended they may be, risks communicating the opposite message. Would it propagate a worldview that says external forces from a century and a half ago are directing the fate of black Americans today? I mean, it's an honest question that some people ask. I think people who wholeheartedly agree that our nation is still in the process of healing from its reprehensible sins of the past can ask that question. Some will argue, well, you weren't there. It's in my DNA. And so the reason why people are afraid of reparations is because they don't know their history. They don't study anything. People were victimized for no other reason for who they were. Bayard Rustin, who organized the 1963 March on Washington and was one of Martin Luther King Jr.'s closest advisors, described the concept as, quote, a ridiculous idea, unquote. Barack Obama opposed reparations when he ran for president in 2008, and Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders did as well eight years later. This is now an accelerated or updated civil rights era. We need catastrophic change in the embedded disparities. Let's try to look it in the eye and address it as Americans together. There's no doubt that prejudice exists in our society, just as it has in every society since the fall of man in the garden. The question, the honest question we have is, what do we do about it? Whoa, that was a surprisingly strong round for the case against reparations. They had the other side on the ropes, and now, wait, wait! 
The case for reparations is down for the count. Yes, Erica, just because the case against reparations is defending the status quo doesn't mean they didn't come ready to fight. They got in some serious body blows in that round. You could feel them from here. Ooh, oh, it's not looking good, Whitney. Oh, no, it's not. The case for reparations had better get up quick. Next time on Reparations, the big payback, the match between the case for reparations and the case against reparations continues. If non-blacks are forced to pay for compensation for something for which they do not feel responsible, that is not going to help race relations at all. In fact, the attitude that most non-blacks would take, they're being shaken down for something that's not their fault. This is not about taking from you because you ain't the government. You don't have enough money to pay us. This is not about taking from you because you're not the private corporations that profited from us being a stock and a bond. The federal government never owned a single slave. Slavery was a private practice. If private individuals in the United States think that black people are owed some sort of compensation, then by all means, reach into their own pockets and make those payments. But somehow to punish all taxpayers for something for which they had absolutely no responsibility, to me, is completely wrong. Now, people outside the African-American community that say, well, I wasn't a slave owner, or I was in nowhere there, you benefit from what your grandparents got. If we finally get our just due, it's actually beneficial to you because finally you'll get an opportunity to not be seeing it as somehow we'll wait around your neck while you're trying to swim. We'll be free to do what we need to do. The idea that blacks are somehow hundreds of years later mentally shackled by the fact that they came as enslaved people makes no sense at all. I would like to tell white people on the other side of this, at some point you have to say to yourself, I have benefited. So when Mitch McConnell say that was 150 years ago, Mitch, you 75. That was two <laughs> Mitches ago. <laughs> so you could die, come back, live again. And that's how close slavery is, Mitch. So not only are reparations a cash payout, they need to be long-term and systemic, purposeful systems and organizations set up that puts Black people who were brought here as beast and chattel on a pathway to having their full rights and privileges recognized and enjoyed. And I guarantee you, the better the economy is in the African-American community, the better the overall economy will be. This podcast is produced by Eric Alexander, Ben Arnon, and Whitney Dow. The executive producers are Charlemagne the God and Dolly S. Bishop. The supervising producer is Nicole Childers, and the lead producer is Devin Maddock-Robbins. The producer-writer is Cerise Castle, and the associate producer is Kevin Pham, with additional research support provided by Niall Blass. This episode was written by Tony Perrier, sound design by Chelsea Daniel. Original music by DJ DTP. Reparations, The Big Payback is a production of Color Farm Media, iHeartRadio, and the Black Effect Podcast Network in association with Best Case Studios. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 
Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine.